Hello and welcome to season two, episode 18 of Jewelous Community. Per usual, I will be playing the part of Andrew today. And I disagree. I don't think that Andrew is playing the part of Andrew. I don't think that I'm playing the part of Ray. I think that what this has become is something so much bigger. I, I feel like we are simply two voices on the tip of a very large iceberg that is the dualistic unity community growing by leaps and bounds every day. It's so exciting. I just want to say this to the listener right now. You are so important to this movement. You are so important to the growth of this mentality in the world because you're the one doing the work. You're the one making the ripples. And if it wasn't for you, this show would be completely irrelevant because you're the one that makes it relevant. So I just wanted to express how excited I am by all of this lately because the Discord is over 300 members. Patreon continues to grow. We're continuing to build funding for more and more of our, our future endeavors to push dualistic unity and get it out into the world. And of course, thanks to all of our supporters, we were able to do something this week that is incredibly exciting. And I'm going to play the video here for you very shortly after we mention what this is. We had Tommy Chong, the living legend Tommy Chong, do a promotional video for Dualistic Unity. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's on our social media. It's on our YouTube channel. And I'm going to include it in the video version of this podcast right now. You can listen to it as well or check out the video to see Tommy himself. But he's talking about Dualistic Unity. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that after it plays. Just give us a second. When the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. And I've been around for a long time now. And so I appear to a lot of people at the right time of their acceptance. You know, it's like playing catch with someone. If you throw the ball and they're not looking and they're not interested, you're not going to get the ball back. But if you happen to throw the ball and they're looking right at you and they're expecting you to throw the ball to them, then chances are you're going to get the ball back. And so what I'm talking about is that some people are ready to understand the next step because that's what we're doing. We're, all, we're just evolving. And uh, the Dualistic Unity podcast is something that I'm ready for, and hopefully you are. Either way, check it out. The Dualistic Unity Podcast. So what's really interesting about that clip, my favorite part of it, is that while we had an idea for a script, our instructions to Tommy were specifically that we were trying to help people realize that they're whole and complete, exactly as they are, and that he should just trust himself and let whatever he'd like to communicate come out. And he did that. None of what we scripted was in that video. It was all just Tommy sharing his life experience, sharing what he has seen on his own journey. I couldn't have asked for anything more authentic. I loved it. Yeah, it was really cool to see when he sort of read our explanation of what to do. Like, we're just trying to help people to recognize that they are perfectly whole and complete exactly as they are. And he read that and he kind of, it, it, you could see it in the video register. And he's like, perfectly whole and complete or he was reading it and he was like, they're trying to help people recognize that they're whole and complete as they are. And then he's like, whole, whole and complete as they are. I've been, I've been saying that my entire life. Oh, wow. And then he went into this explanation that it's probably something he has, you know, used in the past to help explain it and um, recognize this and, and express it in his own way. And it was so cool to see that because he was able to, it probably was, significantly different than most of the scripts he gets for, you know, 
whatever he does on cameo and whatever things he's expressing. And I'm sure, you know, they have to do with all sorts of array of things that are based on his experience and and the persona that he, he carries along with him, but it was, it was really cool to see. And it was awesome to be able to now share that with, with you guys and our listeners and our audiences uh, because yeah. And who knows, maybe Tommy will one day be a guest on the dualist unity podcast because he did express that, he may be ready for dualistic unity as well as everyone listening could be. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, we want to welcome Tommy into the fold. We want to bring Tommy into this conversation because the man is a living legend. As it says on his cameo profile, he's lived through so much. He was promoting a substance and a mentality in a time when it was basically vilified by the entire society around him. And he continued to do it, bringing laughter and happiness to people who were watching his movies and watching his comedy and his sketches for years, the 70s show, all the activism that he's done. Uh, He went to jail at one point because he was manufacturing, I think it was paraphernalia for cannabis. So it wasn't even cannabis itself. So he went through that before cannabis was legalized. He had uh, stage one cancer, which of course he addressed using hemp oil. So he used the natural path as opposed to going through uh, chemotherapy and the traditional uh, medical path. And so there's a lifetime of experience there that we'd love to get into one of our conversations. We'd love to pick his brain. So to everybody listening, if you would like to see Tommy Chong on the Dualistic Unity podcast, or if you'd just like to express your gratitude for him helping promote this podcast, go and drop him a comment on one of his videos. Just say, hey, Tommy, thanks so much for promoting Dualistic Unity. Or download the video from Andrew's social media profile or from our YouTube channel and post it on your own social media profile. Tag Tommy and let him know that we're happy that he came on for Dualistic Unity, or at least that we're happy to have him on Dualistic Unity. Definitely do that because at this point, it's all about how vocal we are. And I want to express that as well. On Discord, a lot of people lately have been saying they've been feeling a lot more courageous, brave in getting out there, talking to people about this conversation, about the way they see the world, about the way they're starting to see themselves. That is the reason this podcast is so important. That's the reason this podcast is doing so well is because of you out there talking about it, because you're talking to yourself. So if you're talking to yourself and you're enjoying that, talking to other people doesn't really change, right? It's just a matter of perception. So the more we do that, the more this grows. And now we're looking at a list of other celebrities that we're going to get to do cameos as well. We have other things in the works. And of course, if you want to be involved with that, all you have to do is join us on Patreon for $5 a month and you can get involved with some of the most fun things that we're doing on Dualistic Unity. Yeah, not the least of which being a in-person meeting at some undisclosed time. So make sure you get on Patreon because all of the updates and live streams and announcements will be through that. And yeah, I mean, the bang for your buck with that thing is it's definitely something that early on, if you're interested in this conversation at all, like take advantage of, of that because there's a lot there. And that's, that's probably my favorite form of communicating these types of messages is outside of the Q and a episodes that we do. That's probably my favorite type of podcast array. Not that, you know, the standard setup we do every week isn't, isn't awesome with the back and forth, but between that and the live streams and, you know, eventually I'm sure the retreats will be number one. Um, that's probably without a doubt, but yeah, that's something we've been talking about a little bit too. And things like that, that's going to be through Patreon. That's going to be to a limited number of people because numbers will always be limited for those things, like very limited relative to, 
you know, our combined 800 some odd thousand audience members across all both of our platforms. So yeah, Patreon is where, where the, all the good shit is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Early access to all of our events are, it's going to be provided to our Patreon supporters, including the next workshop that we have coming up in July, which is going to be on getting past spiritual disillusionment. Basically, it's going to be a workshop on moving beyond belief, beyond just the conceptual dogma to the actual experience of reality, of what is, of alignment with God, however you'd like to put it. And so we're going to do a workshop on that, just talking about some of the dangers that go with spiritual belief, some of the repercussions that come through attaching to a spiritual belief, and of course, some of the tips and tricks that are going to help you get out of that. Use what you've learned, but jettison the attachment, jettison the ego, and actually take those, those bits of, those pearls of wisdom out of all that dogmatic stuff. So that way you can take the lessons and leave behind the bullshit. That's what this workshop's all about. Because I know from my own history with Christianity, there was a period where I felt betrayed by the church that had basically raised me. I felt betrayed by the people who had told me this was the truth. And then I started to hate Christianity as a result. And I had to go through a whole journey afterwards to recognize that there were, in fact, little diamonds in the rough within Christianity. But it wasn't in the belief. It wasn't in the church. It wasn't in the ceremony. It wasn't in the religion. It was in the bits and, and pieces of insight that were within the speeches within the Bible not the belief structure itself. And so the same is true for pretty much every religion. There's always that ounce of truth and that gallon of snake oil. And so that's what this workshop is going to be all about. And it was largely inspired by Andrew. Yeah, I'm excited because it'll give me the, uh, the freedom. So just like some backstory on some of my videos, I uh, in the fall was pushing a lot of like, not anti-religion videos, but just questioning a lot and like questioning things sort of aggressively. And it triggered a lot of people and got a lot of people angry. And I started to feel some of the weight of it, both in my personal life and online. So I kind of toned it down a little. And my defense was always like, this is the stuff we talk about on my podcast. I'm just promoting my podcast to the people who will get triggered. And it's funny because, you know, it brings about the question if, if, you can get triggered so easily by the questioning of something you believe in. Do you really believe in it yourself? Um, so yeah, with that, I kind of toned it down a little bit, but now with this workshop coming up, I'll have every, every right and reason to post whatever I want, questioning everything. I'll probably have a weekly questioning religion themed video series just leading up to that for like, for like a month leading up to it being like, and if you're intrigued by this or have been, you know, disillusioned by spirituality and, and religion and, and whatnot, do have a workshop that you may find interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to have a very solid excuse to trigger anyone and everyone and get people pissed off. And I've been gaining followers too quick recently. I need to call the herd a little bit. So yeah, I've, I've no reason not to. And, and those who remain just be a much stronger connection anyway. Yeah, for sure. Because that's the problem is that when we make content that kind of appeals to everybody, then we release content that goes a bit deeper. That initial group suddenly gets pretty shocked because they weren't expecting that. They were expecting this to be light and fluffy 
for the rest of the uh, of, of our content. They were expecting this to, to agree with them. And then all of a sudden, when we start questioning things that they'd rather not question, they get uncomfortable and they tend to disappear, which is why Andrew and I have talked about my own follower rate on, on TikTok tends to go up and down a bit like a roller coaster, according to the content that I'm releasing. I'll release a content on motivation or not doubting yourself or, or something like that. It'll do fine. Then I'll, I'll release content on questioning belief, questioning astrology, questioning religion. And a lot of my followers will just jump ship, which is great because the people who remain are warriors, as we've said many times. And I'm very, very excited to have them with us. Somebody on Discord was saying that they'd like to promote dualistic unity more on, the, on their social media and, and amongst their friends uh, by promoting the Discord. And so I just wanted to address that quickly and say, if you're going to promote dualistic unity, promote the podcast first, not the Discord. And the reason is because the Discord really is a place for all of us to get together and talk about things in a safe environment where we all know what the topic is. We all know what the environment is for, and we know what the discussion is basically revolving around. The podcast makes sure that we know what that discussion is. Whereas when we were promoting the Discord on its own, we were getting a lot of people in there who had never watched the podcast, who were promoting various different things that were mostly egotistical involved attachment, involved dogma, involved belief. And so they didn't have a very good time upon entering the Discord. And so now rather than promote the Discord, we promote the podcast as our gauntlet. If you can make it through the first couple of episodes of Dualistic Unity, welcome to the Discord. So yeah, know that if if you're listening now and have been listening regularly, in our eyes, you're a fucking warrior because not a lot of people can get through it because it cuts through a lot of the bullshit, a lot of the things that we so often cling to and the ideas and, and ideas with identity and, and whatnot that help us to feel better because what people oftentimes, if not never recognize is that it's a double-edged sword. Identity is, is the biggest double-edged sword you'll ever experience. And all the suffering that you experience is rooted in that idea of what you think you are which is the same thing that people cling to for a false sense of certainty to feel better. And even when it causes them suffering, they would rather be have a false sense of certainty about something that causes them suffering and the idea that they're a victim and the, the idea that they've struggled with things as opposed to being uncertain about what they are. They would have rather have a false sense of certainty of a negative definition of themselves or thing that causes them suffering than not be sure. And what we are talking about all the time, as you know, if you've been through the, you know, 30 something odd episodes that we've had that we're always questioning and we are always recognizing that root of suffering. And as long as you cling to it, there's another edge to it that's going to cut right through you sooner or later. So yeah, if, if you've gotten through this and, and have been enjoying, that's amazing. We really appreciate you. And at the same time, some of those people who may not have had a great idea of what they were getting into on the Discord sparked some really fruitful conversations. And, you know, typically they it ends with them just leaving the Discord. And, you know, maybe one day they'll be back when they recognize that those things that they're clinging to for a false sense of certainty are the things that are causing their suffering. Yeah. Now, I want to circle around to your recent video on letting go of the past, and I loved it. I thought it was a great video. The, the message was clear that you are not your past. You are not defined by what you've went through. Here and now, 
you're you and you have infinite potential. We've said that many, many times, but the response that you got was kind of mixed. You, you got a lot of positive responses from people who were willing to, to look at that and people who had possibly already seen that in their life. And so you were just validating something that they were already going through, but you also received a lot of responses from people who were upset by what you were saying. They were offended that you were implying that it was that simple. And I wanted to talk about this quickly because over the last 20 years, I've, I've pounded my head against that wall a number of times because when I was suffering, I couldn't see my way out. And then when I got out of suffering, all, all I wanted to do was tell other people, there's a way out of suffering. But when you're suffering, it's almost impossible to see that way out. You almost have to see it first before you're willing to accept it's there. And, and so I wanted to bring that up because there's this weird thing that happens in terms of our brain. Our brain doesn't understand the difference between living in an illusion or living in reality. And so when we're committed to the illusion of identity, our brain works slightly differently. We were talking about this before in terms of, of fight or flight. And what I mean is that in a certain mentality, negative emotions will actually trigger the reward centers of your brain. Your brain feels like it's being rewarded by negative emotions. And the reason is because they're not negative emotions to your ego. They're self-validating emotions to your ego. So as long as you don't see that illusion, you are being soothed by things that are making you suffer. And the ego just feels like it's being validated. So that's the problem with that, is that suffering actually becomes addictive. Damn, that is a awesome way to put it because it's like that whole victim identity was what I was seeing with a lot of people because the video basically said, there's no reason you need to keep identifying with your past. And there's an exercise that's, it's literally the exercise that allowed me to wake up essentially was recognizing that or imagining that you literally don't have a past. Oftentimes we, we know the past doesn't exist, but we still cling to the idea of our past. But if you're able to take a second and just, you know, humor me and imagine that you actually don't have a past and you're just aware, if you're watching on YouTube, aware of the video in front of you, aware of my voice, aware of the room that you're in, just that awareness, that awareness of what is here and now. And you're able to see that, you know, you're not your past, you're not you know, the thoughts that you have about the idea of you with strengths, weaknesses, likes, dislikes, all of that, you're just aware of all of it, that deeper sort of awareness, it can be very freeing. And that was what I recognized and allowed me to basically wake up to the idea that I am just the universe, the unnamed semblance of awareness that I am of the universe experiencing itself disconnected from nothing. And I'm not Andrew. And so a lot of people that there was a lot of the top comments were like, oh, I have PTSD, this doesn't work. Or my past says otherwise, like this guy has no idea what mental health disorders actually are like. Like this guy doesn't know anything. Oh, if only it were that simple. All like I was getting tons. And there was a point where it was just reaching like a very specific crowd yesterday. And like every new comment was super negative. Like for a while there was initially with when it hits my followers, it's a lot of like, they know what I talked about. They know my intention. And then it was just like hitting this group. that was just like 
pissed off and they were very angry and it it was just at first i was like wait a second what the, what the hell's going on here like why are they this is this is the best one of the better videos more clear things and like one of the best exercises i've ever experienced in my own life that you know sort of freed me from the suffering of identity and i'm getting all these people like not only saying that oh this this is not great but like this is a bad thing that I'm doing. Like, this is fucked up. Like, how could you say it's that easy? And, and then I was like, oh yeah, they're, you know, defending their suffering They They have this sort of victim mentality, this victim identity. And me saying that, imagine you don't have a past invalidates the idea of themselves as that, that they have as a victim, even though that validates the suffering that they're experiencing. And so as Ray just said, with, with the ego and how it actually validates the ego. So although we think of it, you know, at a higher level as like a negative thing or a negative feeling, the ego doesn't see it that way. And it's like, it's like, if you're going through a situation, like people start and you're with a bunch of people who have been through a lot of shit and they're all like, have this sort of victim identity, they start comparing suffering and they're like, Oh, you've been through that. Well, I've been through this. Like, you don't even know, like, you don't understand me. So then it kind of validates their actions and like, however they want to act, it validates that action, no matter how shitty they are and self-involved and, you know, however they act towards others, it's validated because they've gone through all this shit and you haven't, so you wouldn't understand. And therefore you can't judge me and you can't say that what I'm doing is wrong in any way. So once I was able to start seeing more of that, I was like, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense, but it's still like they're defending the root of their suffering, which is crazy. So I was texting Ray about it. And I was like, we definitely have to spend some time on the podcast talking about this because it's like a fascinating thing when you see it happen, but it is pretty common because it's rooted in your idea of yourself being the truth and that sort of validating the actions that you take, even if it's reinforcing your suffering. Yeah. And I just wanted to tell the person who's listening to this right now that I don't say any of this from a lack of experience. I went through years and years and years of just shit. And I looked at myself as having been stepped on, as being at the bottom rung, as the entirety of my life was against me. I was one of those people for years. And so I understand that when you're in that mentality and somebody comes up to you and they're like, oh, it's not that hard. Certainly fucking feels hard. That's how it comes across. And when it's all you're focused on, the idea that it's not hard is kind of offensive because I've been struggling for years. And so all of a sudden, because I'm thinking about myself, because that's all I know how to do, the idea that I can get out actually kind of tears me down because I haven't gotten out yet. So I must be doing something wrong, right? And so rather than look at that, I'm just going to say that you're, you are wrong, that you don't know what you're talking about, because the alternative is that there's a step that I haven't been willing to take, or there's a step that I haven't seen as being an option. And as much as that, that's a beautiful experience when you see that step, when you actually have that recognition of, oh my God, I can end my pain. I can get out of this. There's a way to, to change my life. That's great. But when you don't see it, you don't believe it's there. Because it doesn't feel like it's there, right? And so it comes across as being a little callous, as being inconsiderate. It comes across as being disconnected. 
right? Or detached. And it's not meant to be that way. And so I just wanted to say that this is the reason that it's so important to, to not take things personally, one, because you could have the best intentions in the world. Not everybody's going to resonate with that. Not everybody's going to recognize your intentions for what they are. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have them. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be speaking just because you upset one person or several people. Because look at all the people that benefited from it. You can't please everyone. And as we said earlier with Discord, sometimes upsetting somebody is actually the step they need to come back full circle to a point where they can have that realization. Sometimes rocking boats is a public service, as we've said many times. But it's important to recognize that you're not always going to be appreciated for doing so. Right? That doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It also doesn't mean that you have to. You're not here to save anybody. Right? If you're free, that's enough. Just be free. And the people who are ready for that freedom will gravitate towards you. The people who aren't might still gravitate towards you and then run in the other direction. But that's a step along the path for them. Well, I mean, you're not here to save anyone unless you're a starseed, of course. <laughs> As a joke for those of you who may be new to the podcast, uh, starseed is one of the most egotistical illusion story shits out there. So thinking that they're here to save everyone. But anyway, um, when it comes to that, I wonder, so I wonder if those people who say have PTSD and part of me, like, Obviously, I've been through things and going back to like the comparing suffering, I try not to be on the flip side of saying like, I don't, I can't talk about anything because I haven't experienced as much suffering as someone else because, you know, as Ray says many times, like pain isn't, you can't compare pain, like pain is, is relative to the person experiencing it. And it's all a spectrum. And just because on the surface, it seems like someone's been through something so much worse doesn't mean you can't find common ground. But I'm curious, just with these types of things with something like PTSD, or trauma, and all the things that people were bringing up saying, like defending why this isn't something that can happen. Like, if you were to ask them, do you want to stop suffering? Like, what would their response, would some of their responses be no, or would it be yes? And they would just kind of be lying because it seemed to me like they, they were saying that I don't understand, but it was like, they don't see that that could be something that helps them end the suffering, but it almost seemed like they didn't want it to end, whether they would ever willingly admit that. I don't know. It, probably not. Like if I were to straight up ask, like, do you want to stop suffering? It seems like they wouldn't say yes, but like they would say yes, but not mean it. But I don't know. What do you think? The problem with that is that often what they'll say is yes, but I don't think I can. And it's because after years and years and years of just repetitive stress, repetitive abuse, repetitive crap, um, you really start to believe that's all there is. I've said this before that being in hell, probably the worst part about being in hell is the feeling that it's all there is. It's all there ever will be. That life will never change. That it will always feel like this. And it's a very convincing feeling. And when you've spent so long going through it, yeah, you start to lose hope that it'll ever go away, especially if you don't recognize where it's coming from. And, and that's what the point of this is, is that we use our ego to soothe our feelings, despite the fact that our feelings are hurt because of a reliance on our ego. 
right? And so when you're talking to somebody about just letting go of their past, well, to them, they're like, but looking at my past, recognizing where I've been abused has helped me feel better about my abuse. It's like, right, because it's validated who you think you are. But at the same time, it's also put your story into concrete. It's also made it so you can't change as much as you know, you're, you're able to recontextualize your past. Maybe eventually you can let it go. It served its purpose, right? But it's difficult to get to that point, especially when, when you've been hurting for so very long. You just assume that's all life is. It's the same with the ego, right? We talk about this stuff with people all the time. Like you can question who you think you are. No, I can't. That's who I am. It's the same thing. We've learned to rely on this mentality. And so we immediately reach for it when we're feeling low. And when we're feeling low and we start to feel bad about ourselves and we're like, oh, the world is against me. Oh, that feels good. Okay, that, 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 that's satisfying. You know, it's not just my fault, right? It's the world. And, and immediately we've, we've once again committed to an ego. We've once again committed to being a victim, but at least now we're justified in being a victim. And that feels a little bit better. And so we learn to settle for that rather than actually striving for freedom. We don't think it's there. Yeah, that's an interesting point to bring up. Like when people say, well, if I can't, you know, if I don't have a past, I can't remember how far I've come. And they don't see that that's still, it's still limiting their potential because they're still holding on to an idea of themselves. And it's sort of along the lines of what I think about when I think of like affirmations. It's still, even if it's, you know, positivity affirmations, any idea of yourself is inherently limiting to infinite potential, like anything as a versus limitless versus infinite is limited. So any idea, no matter what idea that you have is limited and through some limitations that isn't pure freedom and it isn't going to be, you're not going to, going to be able to act out of that. So I guess, yeah, when, when I think of those sorts of ideas, it's always interesting, but how much people cling to them and, and keep defending them, no matter how much it may be causing it. But I guess, you know, it starts to make more sense when you see it for what it is, especially with the feelings being not necessarily negative feelings to, to the ego. And another example I was thinking of was with like an athlete or something that that's coming from you know, a tougher background and they're, they got like chip on their shoulder, like no one ever believed in them. And then it kind of motivates them to perform really well or to make something of themselves. But then you oftentimes see it when they do sort of like, quote unquote, make it, they, they start to struggle with other issues and it's all identity driven, or even I see it sometimes how people love telling the story of how they came from a difficult background or how they came from the tough, tough side of the city or whatever. And I'm not like downplaying that at all, but sometimes I see it when someone like didn't have, and obviously I can't know everyone's story and everything, but it almost seems like sometimes you hear people telling stuff like that and they, they don't always have that tough a background or you find out that they were like, sort of embellishing the story and then more comes out about their background. And you're like, they actually had a very great upbringing and like very nice parents and all of this. And they sort of created this story 
of how they were did go through the shit and now they've come out of it. So it, it's been this sort of mentality or, or story that people like to tell, like they wish they had gone through shit. So then they would have, it's not even like a way to validate their actions, but just almost makes themselves feel better. Like, Oh, I'm just a kid from X, Y, Z. Like no one ever believed in me and look at me now. And it's like, bro, like kind of, I don't know. That, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, great. That's like, that's awesome for you that you overcame that. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not saying this in, in like a judgmental way at all. I just find it just from an observing point of view, interesting how people love, just like love to play the victim side of things. And then especially if they start to like do well, well in life, whatever the fuck that means is like, then they start telling this story even more. And they're like, I was just this kid from this place, just a kid from this small town and, and look at me now. And then they use it as like a fucking sales tactic. They're like, if I can do this, then you can do this. If you only buy my course for five grand a week for the next year, like you can do it too. And it's like, well, yeah, but then I'd be in like hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and I'm going to be crawling out of that. So like, I don't know, maybe I'll, Maybe I'll pass on that one and find someone else. Thanks, though. Right? It's like, I think I found how you crawled out of the gutter, charging five grand a course for sure. <laughs> and I should do that. But that's often what, what happens online. It's like, I have the secret to being successful. You just have to pay me for the secret. That's the secret in general. But I think it's also important to remember that it's so much less about what we have went through so much as it is about how we perceive what we have went through right? Like you can have a life where you grow up in a comfortable house in a comfortable neighborhood where there's never really any danger and your parents are totally disconnected. And while everybody from the outside would go, oh, wow, what a comfortable life you have. The inside, you still feel isolated. You still feel alone. You still feel like nobody pays attention to you or takes you seriously. And that starts to twist your perception of the rest of your life. And one step after another, that perception makes the journey harder and harder and harder. And so while in reality, the conditions weren't necessarily that hard, the subjective experience was, right? It's what made us feel isolated and alone. It's the reason teenagers, despite not having any real jobs or anything really difficult to do, are so bitchy all the time, right? It's because of their perception of what they're going through. It's because of their perception of how they're interacting with the world, right? Like when you take everything personally, everything feels like an attack, even when it's not. So you're going to grow up going, yeah, everybody was attacking me because that's your memory, right? Until you come to, to grips with the fact that actually maybe I was just being really sensitive. Then your memory changes and you start to see everybody's actions a little bit differently and your narrative changes. As you said in the last episode, our, our present dictates our past. Right. And so as long as I'm defining myself as having gone through all of this hard stuff and that's what forged me into a diamond, I'm going to hold on to that story. Right. But then when I start recognizing that maybe a diamond's not the best thing to be facing reality with, maybe I should be water. Maybe I should loosen up a little bit. Right. And then you start to question the narrative and it changes who you are. Right. And so it's, it's one and the same. It's always right here and now. Right. Like, like you said in your video, the big bang is here and now. Everything is here and now, including our past. It really just comes down to our perception of ourself. And that's, that's what changes our experience of it. Yeah. It's like the 
conceptual division that we experience between the idea of ourself and the reality of ourself. And the reality of ourself is always here and now. It's not, it's not the past. We, and there is conceptual division between our perception of, of ourself. And it's not, I guess, perception, like it is reality and it isn't like perception is how you see the world and how you see the world is your reality. But if you're able to see that your perception is only your perception, then you can see that maybe it's not the truth and not take it so seriously every time. So there's sort of levels to that and can just be helpful to realize both because when you realize that your perception is your reality, you see that everyone else's perception is their reality. And then you can experience more empathy for them. And it's all so fucking interconnected. It's, it's crazy. Even, you know, the idea of, of letting go of your past and the idea that you are the big bang, like there is no division between the big bang. And I just made that video today, this morning, talking about that. And I think I mentioned it on the last podcast, but it's like, I kind of went through breaking down. If you can simply recognize that there's no division between any moment between the start of, you know, when I started talking to all I'm talking right now to after I'm done talking and Ray starts talking all of those moments, every word that's said, every, everything, there's no actual division. There's no actual gaps in that time. So there's no actual gaps between, you know, days between Monday and Tuesday. There's not like a little gap in between. It's like, all right, we are now Monday to Tuesday. Like it's, it's seamlessly connected. There's no actual division that isn't conceptual. And then if you're able to recognize that and just those basic things, you can recognize that there's no division between months, years, decades, millenniums, billions of years from right now to the big bang. So there is no actual, actual, there is no literal division between right now and the big bang. So the big bang is right now. And through that, you know, there's no division in time. There's no division in space because if all energy was the big bang in this universe, you know, then all energy here now is the big bang because there is no conceptual there is no actual division between here and there here now and there now and which is also here now so then then you see that you're not actually divided from anything besides that idea that you cling to which is rooted in your past and as you're able to let go of that that's when you are able to begin experiencing the freedom of your limitless potential as the universal awareness of existence that's always been here and now. And because all of our suffering is rooted in the illusion that we are divided at all, because through that illusion comes the idea of yourself and the things that you've been through. And as difficult as it can be, because it helps your ego feel good and it soothes the ego that you can hold on to those, all that shit you've been through, it's going to continue reinforcing that which causes the suffering. Like that's the reality of it. So do you have to let it go? Do you have to let go of your past? Do you have to imagine for a second that you literally had no past? No, you don't. You can keep doing it if you want. And you're going to keep reinforcing the root of your suffering. So when people started commenting like this didn't work or I can't do this because my you know, family is in my past and lost a loved one. And I like totally felt that. I was like, the thing is, you don't have to do this. You, you don't have to, you can keep holding on to your past. And then I said that to someone and they were like, 
okay, well, how do I have both? How do I keep holding on to them in the past and let go of my past? And I was like, well, yeah, that's where it comes down to. You really can't. And that's where you're going to have to recognize, you know, do you want to keep clinging to a false sense of certainty about who you are and your past and everything you've been through? Or do you want to let that go and experience the freedom that is your infinite potential here and now for the rest of your life? And I would take the latter a million times out of a million. (laughs) Well, it really depends, right? I mean, it's really important to remember that while we are not physical beings, we certainly have the experience of a physical being and and the um, vehicle that we embody through our life, through our incarnations, through our stream of now, as it changes from moment to moment to moment, is kind of like a living hard drive. It records the things that we've went through um, in terms of of PTSD, especially trauma, especially, right? So like we talk about letting go of the past, which is one thing to say when it's cerebral and you're letting go of memories and so on and so forth. But if you were in the army, for example, and during service, you were attacked and there were explosions around you and you suffered through PTSD as a a result of these loud explosions and people dying and, and shit just going to hell around you. Well, your body is going to retain that experience to some degree. And I know I've worked with people with PTSD in the past where somebody just drops a textbook on the ground and they're hitting the dirt like something just went off. And it's because their body retained that memory. Their brain retained those synapses. And so that's where you're getting a lot of that responsive. I just can't let the past go. It's hardwired. Yes, that is unfortunately true your body has retained that memory. And more importantly, it's retained your response to that event, right? But as you question your response, as you question your identification, even with the body itself, that starts to make the structure easier to shift, right? But your body body does remember all this stuff. And that's one thing that you did get in a couple of comments, like, yeah, okay, well, tell my body that. It's like, right, that's a whole other process because it's not just snap and you're done. You have to, your whole being is changed each and every time you take accountability in the here and now. So it's a process always in the present. So it's not really a process, but it is. Yeah, absolutely. Someone that reminded me of a question I got on a Instagram Q and a recently, someone asked, you know, if uh, they're going through something new, they get, you know, physical fear. Like it's not just a conceptual fear. It's like they feel physically like anxious and, and all of that. And, and my response, like, how do you handle that? And I said, you know, obviously there's levels to that, you know, there's, there's the physical visceral, visceral reactions that I've felt to a degree. I know Ray has said that he's felt before, but my, my take on it was that that's your body seeing a new situation is like, this is unsafe because in your head, anything new, anything uncomfortable, which is the only way to improve. The only way to stimulate growth is to go through discomfort. And I think you posted recently, at least a YouTube short that I saw today that was having to do with that, that the only way to grow is to go through discomfort. So if you avoid discomfort your entire life, you're going to stay in that same, you know, false sense of certainty that false sense of comfort almost that feels okay temporarily, but really, you know, we're kind of driven to grow, but because again, all tied together, we've built this idea of ourselves that we think we have to defend and we're confused about what that is. 
we get physical reactions to new situations because as it's new, we start to feel uncomfortable and our body's like, this isn't safe. You know, this is, this is not a safe thing. We have to, we have to avoid this. We have to, at all costs, get out of this situation. So it, it has discomfort. So it's almost like you have to recognize the reality of it. And the reality of it is that you are safe and it's not super easy because you're almost going against your body's reaction. It can be actually incredibly difficult, but what you can recognize is that there may be some some shit you have to go through. That's really fucking uncomfortable. And I, I see that anytime I'm in a new situation, like as comfortable as I am most of the time with speaking, if I'm in a new situation, like for example, the first time Ray and I did a workshop, I was pretty nervous for that. And it was the first time I, I was feeling like a lot of nerves in a while because it was a completely new situation. I had never done been in a workshop where people are paying to, you know, listen to me talk about a certain topic for X amount of time, or, you know, first few times I was on a podcast, things like that. But what happened was that the more I did it, the, the easier it got. But I knew also going in, like, this is a new situation. I'm going to get nervous. And I was almost like aware of it going in, that like, I'll probably get nervous about this. And like, that's totally okay because it's totally normal. Like when you're able to recognize those feelings are totally normal reactions, you don't try and get rid of them because you're not like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. You're like, yeah, I'm feeling this and that's okay. It's a new situation. It's, it's uncertain. My body doesn't think it's safe. I know that it is so I can do it. And then, you know, you do it, you get through it. You're like, all right, I, uh, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I'm okay. We, we did all right. And then you do it again and you're a little bit less nervous the next time. And you do it again and again and again and again and again to the point where you're like, I've been through this. I'll be okay. I've done it before. And then there's like no reason your body doesn't have as much of a visceral reaction. And you see that there's no reason to be afraid. So, you know, why not go into the situation? And the more of those initial situations we were uncomfortable in the uncertainty, the more you see going into new uncertain, uncomfortable situations, like, oh, I've been through, this is a different type of new situation, but I've been through others in the past and I was fine and I survived. So I'll probably be fine now too. And it just builds on itself, but it's all about the repetition. It's all about taking that action, despite how you feel, being able to feel the fear, not take it too seriously, you know, remind yourself that you'll be okay. You are safe and do it and improve and rinse and repeat <laughs> over and over and over again. And that's going to be much harder depending on what you went through. And what I mean is that if your entire life, every person you walked up to, to talk to smacked you in the face, you would feel anxiety talking to anybody new because you would assume they're also going to smack you in the face. And so it's important to remember each moment is different remind yourself of that, that just because this seems similar to a past experience doesn't mean it is that past experience. Everything could be the same in terms of the situation, but you've still changed, which means the experience has changed. The experience has the potential to be different, purely based on you, purely based on your capacity to adapt and find another opportunity. That's the, that's the thing is that often we go into situations, we feel anxious because we look at how we dealt with it in the past or we look at it based on how we think we can deal with it going into it instead of just going into it, 
and being in a fresh situation without any assumptions whatsoever based on the past. And that transition is the practice, right? You're not going to feel that the first time. You walk up to that first person and they don't smack you. You're still going to want to protect yourself waiting for it. Walk into the next person, all of a sudden they don't smack you. You're not as tempted to guard anymore. Next person, they don't smack you. You're not as tempted to guard. Another person does smack you. It'll surprise you and probably make you run back to the past to see my life is like that. But then you'll remember those three people who didn't. And so the process starts to change, right? But you have to be patient with yourself. And more importantly, you have to be understanding. If you've gone through a lot in your life, you've gone through a lot in your life. Of course, you're going to deal with that. But that doesn't mean that it's your lot forever. It doesn't mean that you're doomed to deal with this suffering, with this idea of who you are and all those limitations forever. That's not the case. That is just how you feel. It can change, but it's one little step at a time. Baby steps, as they said, and what about Bob? Yeah, certainly, certainly baby steps. I think also being able to let go of that idea of yourself and sort of go through that practice of, of recognizing that maybe being able to imagine for a second that you didn't have a past just for a split second. I know it's, you know, uncomfortable for some people, but if you can just imagine and sort of feel what you would feel if you were just, you know, some semblance of awareness here and now, then you can begin to recognize that all of those things that you have about the idea of yourself, whether it's, you know, weaknesses and also strengths and likes and dislikes and opinions about the world and about yourself, those may not be true because those are always rooted and also rooted in the idea of yourself. So as you're able to let go of that idea of yourself, that also allows you to let go of the idea of yourself, which is full of the things that lead you to fear certain situations or go into a situation and be like, oh, I'm not good at this. I know I can't, I can't do this because that's just rooted in the idea of what you think you are. And it's funny. I actually just thought of uh, someone, you know, in the past who uh, I wanted to have on my podcast once and they said they couldn't because they would be afraid they would sound like a fool. And when it comes to things like astrology, um, having the idea of yourself being something that is defined by your astrological signs will cause you to think a certain way about yourself going into a situation. And as we mentioned before, any idea of yourself is going to be limiting. It is going to limit the reality of your infinite potential in every moment. And that's not to say that like I go into probably every situation with some slight idea, even if I say I don't like there's always something there because, you know, it's not like I don't identify like I'm not Jesus performing miracles and letting go of like the idea of myself at all, though, maybe who knows, maybe like one day here now, I don't know. But um, yeah, so it's not to say that I don't go into situations with some ideas, but I think those are much weaker ideas now and I question them very often. And so when I do get caught up in thinking like, oh, I'm no good at this, or I'm really good at this. It's just, I just remember like, cause it's even on the positive side. It's like, as you go into a situation thinking like, oh, I'm really good at this. Then it's like, if someone's like, says that you're not that good, then you get reactive and you're like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm the best. I'm so good. Like look at all these other things I did. And so it's like, although it may not make you feel 
distressed in like a nervous way. It makes you distressed because you're defending fiction on the other side because someone's questioning something you're certain about. So either way, it's a double-edged sword on both ends when it comes to ideas you have about yourself going into, into a situation. So what I do is just remember that I don't know. I remind myself, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to to go, but it's going to go. And the reality is that it going quote unquote, well, in my mind may not be the same as someone else looking on it from the outside or me thinking like, Oh fuck, that interview was a fucking train wreck. I did so poorly. That could be an interview that drops a seed for someone. That's exactly what they needed to hear or how they needed to hear it. And I say it even sometimes if I go into an interview, when I'm explaining this in a way, if I go into something and say, the reality of how I'm feeling, like say I'm, I feel really nervous. And because in my head, I have this idea that, you know, I think people shouldn't think I'm nervous because I talk about stuff all the time. And so like, if I go in and just express that and be honest, like, yeah, it was, I was pretty nervous going into that. Like that could be the best thing that anyone gets out of the interview is just seeing that other people get nervous like them too. And they're able to sort of bridge that gap thinking, cause they've always thought they were alone in those feelings. So it's just like you never know going into a situation, even if afterwards you label it in a certain way, then it's like you don't know. Like another example is for one of our workshops when I was coming back from the airport and I was like fucking stressed, kind of like in the cab. And I wasn't like that stressed. I was kind of like, we'll, we'll roll with it. I, I was confident in that. And we had the workshop half the time I was in a New York City cab and someone responded, followed up. And they were like, that's one of the best things I took from that was that you guys were able to have a situation which, you know, probably could have been avoided if I had looked ahead on my calendar a little bit better. And, you know, but that's besides the point. Um, so in my head, I was like, oh, that that was shitty. But the person was like, the fact that you guys were able to still roll with it and do that, despite, you know, the chaos of it all was like, that was left in a serious impression on me. So it's just like, you just never know. Yeah. And for anybody who wants to see that, workshop. It's available on our website in the store. Uh, it's the Social Anxiety and Worry Workshop. Uh, it's four days long, five and a half hours total. A lot of great insights in there. I, I do encourage you to go and download it. Uh, it's available, I think, for 29 US. So it's available at any time. And of course, if you're a Patreon supporter, I believe you also get a discount there. Uh, for $5 a month, you get discounts on our workshops, including our upcoming workshop and a bunch of other stuff as well. So I just wanted to mention that quickly. But yeah, it's really important to go into situations and be willing to see what happens. So when I was younger, I used to suffer from panic attacks in a big way. I was always anxious, especially around people. And so crowded areas, I would start to, to sweat, I would start to shake, I would start to, you know, it get to the point where I'd almost start to black out, I'd, I'd feel like vomiting. And, and so I would always avoid going to the stores with my friends, I would always avoid going to the mall with my friends, always, I just couldn't stand it. And when I woke up, after I woke up, I started realizing I still had that tendency to avoid crowded places, I still had that tendency of avoiding people because I was worried about their judgment or because of all the reasons I used to avoid them. And so I started making myself go to crowded malls and then just stop. So I'd be walking through the crowd, weaving, doing all that. And then I just stepped to the side and I would just stand there and let everybody just walk past me and I just watch them, watch them looking at me standing there doing nothing, wondering why is that guy not moving with the rest of the herd? And it just reminded me that, right, I can do that. I can step aside. 
I don't have to play the role that I've dictated I'm going to play. I can do something unexpected. I can stop worrying about this. And that took some practice. Now I stand in the middle of a, a crowded store and I get this stupid look on my face because everybody's look, like running around stressed out and I don't give a shit. I'm just standing there enjoying the scenery because I'm eternal. This is the now. This is what I have to enjoy. Yeah, I'm very excited to meet because I love doing that stuff. I mean, got to see it in my videos, just even with with filming in New York, like I was always pretty comfortable, but it was definitely, I think in my ability to deliver what I'm saying, like there's much more of a calmness, like it's not even a second thought. Whereas when I first started, there was definitely like so little bit of discomfort and now it's just like not there anymore, but it came from filming, just filming hundreds of videos, walking through crowds and, and doing that. And even now I've gotten to the point where I've started doing like weird shit in, in a park, like, you know, lying on the ground and army crawling across shit and stuff like that. But uh, just cause it's fun to be able to sort of prove because as much as I, someone could say, like people aren't thinking about you showing is what really has the impact i think when they're able to see that it, it allows them the freedom to maybe try it for themselves and because i'm coming from a place where it was like a fear of what someone thought of me just you know walking without doing anything so then to be able to progress to other levels of that so i so i what i meant by that was like i i can recognize that there's people out there who are afraid to you know even go out in public because they think that everyone's thinking about them. So if I can show them that you can not only be in public, but you can do weird shit in public and people still don't really care. Like maybe you can, you know, go out and, and, you know, start with those baby steps and get outside or, you know, strike up a conversation with someone new. And yeah, cause realizing that first of all, people are worried about their own lives for the most part. And when they judge, they typically do it out of insecurity. They don't feel great about themselves. So they try and feel better through bringing other people down. And that's like what most things fall into at the end of the day. There's not many other types of situations where you need to fear. So it always just comes back to them and projection for the most part. And being able to see that, the more you see it, and recognize it through, you know, testing things out, trying things. I think you think someone's going to judge you a ton for this, try it out and see if they do. And every time they don't, you're like, oh shit, you know, maybe, maybe they were right talking about this stuff. And there's just, it, it's exponential and it brings about just a level of freedom where it's like, you, you forget that there are other people that even could possibly judge you. Yeah, and that's what most therapies are, right? Is they're slowly working you towards the acceptance that you can do this thing. That's what exposure therapy is or, or um, cognitive behavioral therapy. They have an exercise called walk a banana. So basically you take a banana and put it on a string and you walk it around the city or town that you live in like a dog, right? And you just walk your banana because you can. And the fun part about that exercise is that at the end of it, you realize nobody really gave a shit. Nobody cared. 
you're just walking your banana. And at the end of the day, you start to realize that for the most part, people aren't judging you. You can do weird things and people aren't going to give you a second glance for the most part. And anybody who does is probably going to have a good laugh and enjoy more of their day as a result. So yeah, walk a banana or whatever that might be for you. It doesn't have to be anything specific. I remember one day I decided to get all dressed up in aluminum foil. I made some antennas for myself and a big silver cape. And I walked around uh, the city that I lived in as the ant king just because talking to kids as they walked by, talking to homeless people, doing that whole thing for the whole afternoon. It was a lot of fun, but there was no point to it. There was no reason to it. I was just feeling super weird that day. And so I decided to go out and be weird in public. And so many people had a great day as a result. They all laughed. They had a great chat with me. A lot of them were just mystified. Like, how can you do this? And I have no doubt that that made an impact on their life. So it's worth it to be weird. Yeah, it would be interesting if everyone started having this sort of mentality more so how different the world would be because everyone suppresses their weirdness to a degree and it's like everyone's a little weird when when they take their guard down at least a little weird and most people are really weird not in like a creepy way just in like when you're free it's like why not do all these things and like most people, the reason that they don't, the reason they don't put themselves out there, the reason they don't do that thing that they kind of want to do inside is because of the fear of that judgment. I know for me, that was the main reason for a very long time. Like the fear of judgment is, I don't know, it's, it seems to me like the, the main reason why people don't do things, whether it's, you know, quitting your job and doing something else that you might enjoy more is like the fear of getting judged by people who, you know, because maybe you'll have to get a apartment that isn't as nice or a car that isn't as nice. And it's like, you're not willing to come to peace with the level of judgment that people really won't have, but in your mind, you think they'll have, and some of them may judge, but it's like, that's because they're relying on all of those things in their life to validate themselves as well. And their, you know, success and validate the idea of themselves as someone who is successful. And that's a difficult thing to maintain and leads to constant stress and suffering. And there's just so much freedom in being able to let go, but it really starts with that fear of judgment and, and recognizing that, it just isn't there as much as you think. And when it is, it's out of self-loathing and, and internal negative feelings that they're going through. So it's either they're not, or it has to do with them and not you. So like, it never really has to do with you at the end of the day. And if you can recognize that as, as difficult as it may seem at first to be able to see that over time, it's worth it. And it's one of the most worth doing things I could ever recommend. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I'm reminded of our last uh, appearance on Scott Gazzoli's podcast, um, where we were talking about school. And, and this is relevant to our conversation because we were talking about PTSD and we're talking about, you know, historic suffering and, and going through this habitual crap that makes us doubt ourselves and makes us adopt these trauma responses, right? And school very much did that. Not just school, but the entire mentality that drives school, the, the fact that we're always judged, the fact that we always have to fit in, the fact that we always have to live up to certain expectations and the 
increasing threat of not living up to those expectations is not meeting society standards, the possibility of homelessness, the possibility of, of, of not having a house or not being looked at by your peers with respect. Like there's so much weight that's put on us year after year after year through our schooling. And then we wonder why when we get out of school and we go for a job interview, why we're so terrified to not get that job, even when we don't really want it. You know, it's one out of 10 jobs that we applied for. It's like, yeah, hey, it's pay the rent. And then we're terrified to death of not getting this job. Well, why? Well, because that's how we were taught to be. We were taught to put ourselves on, right up on the edge and go, judge me, judge me, please like me. And so we do that in our work and we do that in our relationships and we do that in our social circles. We do that in everything. And it's because of our PTSD. It's because of our collective suffering that is a result of the mentality that drives our system and reinforces that suffering. So you could say collectively, we are all going through PTSD. This is a conversation I was having um, with my wife recently in regards to the, the history of North America and what has been done to the indigenous people. Um, it's so easy to look at what has been done to the indigenous people and go, white people, white privilege, there it is, they don't care. But when you look at European history and you look at the fact that the people who came over from Europe and did that to the indigenous people had gone through hundreds and hundreds of years of basically dictatorships and monarchies and had no life and or they had no freedoms. They were serfs. They lived underneath a tyrannical rule. There was no safety whatsoever. They had to pay taxes all the time. They lived in basically poverty for generations. And then those people were loaded on boats and told, go find the promised land. So they're all suffering through PTSD. They all lack the ability to see one another. They're all desperately trying to find their own level of happiness and fulfillment. And we drop them on a bunch of people who don't even see them coming. And we wonder why we did that to them. It's not that the indigenous people are, are going through generational trauma. The indigenous people were put through generational trauma by people who also suffer generational trauma. Humanity has gone through generational trauma as a result of our ego, as a result of this stupid mentality that keeps us warring with one another. So it's not like one group of people is hurting the other group deliberately. Those group, both of those groups are hurting, right? That's the point, hurt people hurt people, right? So it's not as easy as just saying this culture has taken over this culture. That culture was also taken over by other assholes before that. The people who, who ran that culture or the people who are part of that culture were also hurt, were also suffering, right? Because people who aren't suffering don't cause harm to others. And so we are collectively healing from our PTSD. Yeah, it's, and then that kind of goes into the analogy of the confusion that the past dictates the present and not the present dictating the past. Because as long as we cling to that idea that it's like, oh, well, you know, all those people came over and, and ruined that. And now this happened. And now we have to do this because of this. People did this. And, and it's all rooted in the past and ideas and concepts, not to say that it didn't actually happen. Of course, it actually happened. But as long as we continue to cling to the thing, identity, the, to the ego, and use that as our sense of value and, and validation, it's going to keep repeating itself. And it's like, we don't see the root being that. And so we think on the surface of 
making changes to certain things and just like going back and forth on that sort of level and not seeing the root being identity. So it's like, as we continue to box people up and say like, oh, you look like this. So you must be like this. Oh, you look like this. So you get this or, oh, you are this type of person clearly because you look like this. And it's like, it's so it's like such a fucked mentality to keep. And I'm not saying like, it isn't, I don't see where it's coming from and I'm not invalidating the reason why people think it's the right thing to do. Like, I absolutely understand that. Like there's been a lot of fucked up shit that's happened in our history. Like, I'm not saying that at all. It's kind of like equating to the person defending their suffering though. The person who says like, Oh, you don't, you don't get it. Cause you, I've been through this and you haven't. It's like, yeah, but there's, there's a way out if you want to see it, but it may not be easy to that thing. That's causing your soothing being the ego. That's also at the same time causing your suffering because you're going to have to let that go. Like, and I can't do it for you. Like you have to do it yourself. So as much as it's the way to do it, it's not an easy thing to do because we said it recently too, is that, you know, trying to kill your ego is significantly easier than allowing it to, or letting it go because the ego gets to kill the ego or the ego gets to think that it kills the ego. It still gets to be that, you know, conqueror, but letting go of the ego is outside of the source of ego being, you know, the way to soothe yourself. It's like a different train track. You have to hop tracks and just let that shit go, but only you can. And until you see that you're going to keep defending your suffering and we're going to keep repeating a lot of these things. Yeah. And unfortunately we are vilifying people based on how they appear instead of the mentality that they're coming from. And what I mean is that, so one of my very best friends uh, is from Northern British Columbia. He's a native gentleman. Um, he knows his history in detail. And when we first met, he looked across the room at me and went, so white boy, what do you think? And, and that was the response I got from him. That was the very first time that we met. Um, and my response was fucking white people, man. And so we got along from then on and it was largely because he had decided that I was only white in appearance right? That, that my mentality was about as far from the mainstream as possible. And so we built our friendship based on that. But his, or his initial assumption was, you're white, therefore you think like white people, right? And the problem is, is that it's not that white people are the problem. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. It's the dominant mentality that unfortunately came out of white culture, white European culture in terms of taking over the globe, or at least in the last thousand years, especially. It's not like the ego hasn't been around forever, right? Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great. These are all examples of the ego needing to conquer, right? And the, the, uh, the British empire and all that, those are examples as well. So that's still there. That egoic journey is still there. And when we're talking to indigenous people like here on the island, for example, it's very difficult to say, well, not all white people are like that, while the government is still enforcing the rules that have oppressed these people for generations and the government is still predominantly white. 
So it's very easy to look at that government and go, see, white people are still doing it. But there are plenty of people who have white skin who don't agree with the government. There are plenty of people who have white skin who don't agree with what has happened to the indigenous people who would, who would gladly leave and give them back their land if there was an option, if there was somewhere to go, right? This is the lot that we're in. And so it's so important for us, whether we're white or black or Asian or indigenous, it doesn't even matter to come back to the, to the reality that we're none of those things. We're all human. We're all the same initial original people of the world. That's our tribe. That's what we are. This division based on, on culture and heritage and skin color and all that shit, that's great. That's lovely for, for observing and respecting and, and celebrating your history and celebrating your ceremonies and where you came from, just like with PTSD. It's important to recognize the past that you, you came from, but it's more important to take the present and to return to that state of equilibrium and peace in yourself so you can get rid of those divisions between you and everyone else. Then we actually start to form a new culture, a living culture that adapts and is born in each and every moment. It isn't defined by these lines between people based on where they're from or what color skin they have. We have to see past that shit. If we're going to return to the mentality that the original indigenous people all over the world came from before the ego started building empires yeah yeah absolutely it's uh yeah it's <laughs> i feel like some of the biggest questions out there and, and people just love to promote division like our mentality is promoting division and even recently it's been like you know just so much of it, like in every, there's so many different, like even in the workplace, there's a lot more just about labels. And it's like, this person looks this way. So this, this person does this, so this, and it's like, it's all such superficial labels. And it's not like, it's absolutely not to discount history and what people have been through in any way. Like, we're not saying that at all, but people don't see that these labels and these identities that they're using to, you know, build a new way or build a new way of existing and living is like the same mentality. It's the same divisive mentality that got us in all this shit. And so it's just kind of tough to see happen. And it's like, you don't want to discount it publicly. Like I, I'm not going to post any of these clips on TikTok. That's for sure. This is stand on the podcast. But at the same time, it's like when you recognize that you're eternal and you're the eternal awareness of here and now, like it's a different type of recognition of things that isn't limited. Because even those people who are, you know, building these new ideas are still very limited and are still very egotistical. And they don't think like, for example, the native people would think seven generations ahead and, and think about what brought us to this point. Almost. They're just like, Oh, these people did this to this people recently. And so now we have to do this for this people and all these things. Like it's just half-ass backwards 
in so many ways. And it stems from the mentality that you are what you think you are stems from the illusion that you are what you think you are and you are what you look like and you are what the, you are your name and you are your history and you are your family. And it's like, you're none of those things. You're actually none of them whatsoever, but people can't, a lot of people don't see that. That's all they see. So that's why this conversation is just so important because it's against all of it. It's like against the universal mentality that gets us into all the shit. And even things like the recognition that there is no good and bad people hate that one because they're like, well, then I can't be certain about certain things and certain people and, and certain things like, do you know what this person did? And it's like, well, that mentality is the same mentality that got us into a situation that caused that person to do the thing that they did that you are now labeling as bad. Like it's the same mentality leading to the difficult, shitty, fucked up situations. And now you're defending that mentality again. And you don't think we're going to end up in the same fucking place? But it's all I know. And everybody around me keeps using that mentality. Right? And that's the problem. That's exactly it. Is that you start coming out of your ego. What's the first thing you do? I'm getting over my ego, which is an egotistical thing. Right? But that's what everybody in society would do. That's the common dialogue. Me. So as you said, this conversation is important. It's not just that it's important. It's always been happening, but it's always been happening and shushed by the mentality that wanted to maintain power. Right? And so now we're having this conversation and we're not being shushed. And we're welcoming everybody into this conversation. We're encouraging them to go out and start their own conversations. Let's just build one giant dialogue about the mentality that we've all been suffering through collectively, either at, at the hands of or as a result of being in that mentality. One way or another, the mentality itself is the focus. Because when we recognize it and we change it, everything else starts to change as a result. The government, the lines, the, the, the ridiculous political divisions, countries, all of that. We go back to, to Imagine by John Lennon, right? Imagine there, there is no heaven, right? It isn't hard to do. Nothing to live or die for, no religion, right? No borders, no flags, none of that. We are all just one, making the most of the here and now. Brilliant, man. Yeah, such a such a great song. One of my favorite when I'm taking some mushrooms. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I had a question related to this and just like suffering and all of it. So I've had conversations with people, family, friends about identity and it being the root of suffering. And sometimes I get questioned because I think people, and I know you've said this before too, Ray, when you're more certain about something where a lot of people are certain. So for example, like religious people are very falsely false sense, have a false sense of certainty about certain things. And then, but then when you're on the flip side and you're not religious, and then it's like, when you go from being like, well, I don't know what happens when we die to, well, let's actually talk about this because there may be some recognitions that you could have and you make a very logical explanation about it. Like, well, how do you define you and dig into the illusions? They, they're, it ends and they're like, well, you might be wrong. And it's just like, okay, well, you just agreed with everything I said. 
So you just have a shitload of cognitive dissonance. And so sometimes I'll bring up how identity is pretty much always the root of people's suffering. Like when they suffer, it's because they have this idea of themselves and they perceive this division where there isn't any. And I'll have people ask like, well, how do you know that they might be suffering because of something else? You don't know that. Like you, you haven't lived their life. You don't know that. And then I'm like, all right, well, tell me something else that has caused you suffering. And they're like, well, yeah, but it's not me. Like I'm talking about other people. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know. It's like, okay, well, could you even think of something that would cause you suffering that doesn't have to do with your idea of yourself? And they can't. So my question is, I guess, like, do you think there are other things that lead to not physical suffering necessarily, but mental, the mental psychological suffering that we go through that are outside of the idea of ourself, that false sense of self ego identity that we cling to as being the truth. No, <laughs> I just want to say that simply. And the reason is, is the difference between how we perceive trauma as opposed to what trauma is. Okay. So the person you're talking to there perceives trauma as being something that's inflicted upon them. Okay. So the event is the trauma, but that's not how trauma works. The trauma is your response to the event, right? So of course it comes back to you. It's your response to the event. That's the point. Yes, traumatic things will happen, but if you know how to adapt to them, they're not traumatic, right? If they're not overwhelming you, it's not trauma, right? So it comes back to your response and your response is always going to be based on your level of self-knowledge of self-awareness and your experience and, and how much of a narrative you're telling yourself in terms of, I deserve this, I can't do this. These people have the right to do it. Like there's so much that goes with it, but it's all inner narrative, all of it. And, and so what you're facing there is you can't be right because that's too simple. And I don't like how it makes me feel. That's what you're facing. And we talked about this in one of the early episodes that when you hit that wall of cognitive dissonance, the easier way out of that argument is to make you wrong. You're the problem. You're oversimplifying. You don't understand, right? Otherwise, I have to focus on what you're talking about. Otherwise, I actually have to exercise my brain and talk to you and work through the problems to come to that insight. And that's what you've done. You've done that with people. You've been like, okay, well, what about this and this and this and this? And you're just like, come on, a little further. You're almost there. Let's do it. And then they get right to the door. They're like, no. But we were doing so well, right? Like we went all this way. Why did you even follow me this far if you were just going to say no? And it's because it's somewhere along the way they were waiting for that moment to make it about them again, right? And that's, that's very much the problem is that it's not that you're not making sense. It's that I don't want you to. It's much easier to be a victim to the world if I don't see that there's something I can do about it. As soon as there's a, this idea that I can change my response to the world, that takes that whole victim thing and throws it right out the window. It's really uncomfortable. Like it's really uncomfortable, but it's the reason that, that you have people, you know, well, and again, I want to talk about the indigenous specifically, but it's not just indigenous people. There are also lots of other people out there standing up for against logging, standing up against pipelines, standing up against all of these things. And they're doing so 
because they're taking it upon themselves to go, we're not just the victims of, this, of society. We're going to stand up and say something. We can do something, whether it's hard or not. And, and that's the thing is, you're not saying this is easy. You're saying it's simple, which is different. Easy is something that requires no effort, right? Simple is something that requires very few steps. This is a simple transition, but it's not easy because you're working against a lifetime of programming and a lifetime of habits. And so shaking that off takes a little bit of time and it takes some momentum. And so you got to keep hammering at that wall that is the familiar until it starts to break. And you can actually start to feel potential coming out of yourself again because you don't know what's going to happen. And it could be anything. That's the thing. As long as you think you know what's going to happen, you're in a box. You're in a box and you can't get out of it because you can't even see it because it validates you. That's the worst part about being certain about your limitations is that it validates you and the limitations, which makes your life suck more and more and more despite being comfortable. And that's the vicious circle. And on that note, we are gonna to have to wrap up the episode here very shortly, but I did wanna mention this one more time. If you're listening, go and check out the Tommy Chong video on Andrew's uh, TikTok account or his Instagram account or on our YouTube channel leave a comment or just go to Tommy and thank him for making that video for us. We really want to express our gratitude because the video is outstanding and we're really looking forward to using it in our upcoming, uh, upcoming campaigns. Uh, likewise, we have another group chat coming up this Wednesday. Definitely don't miss that. That'll be for our Patreon members. It's starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, one of my, one of my favorite parts of the week. It's actually also going to be on my birthday. So yeah, very, very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, uh, big two seven on Wednesday. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going down to Tampa. It's funny. I, uh, I can talk to Ray about this after, but just real quick, I'm going to t down to Tampa on Wednesday. Um, I was going to be there for the weekend because uh, my cousin's girlfriend's in a national tour play and she's down in Tampa. So we're going to see her also, which is exciting. Um, but my baseball team at Penn, um, I played baseball there. They made the league championship. So a bunch of my friends and like alumni are all going to Philly this weekend. So I changed my flight last minute. So I'm going to be there this weekend. Um, so it should be a lot of fun doing all that. Um, but yeah, Wednesday and we're going to dinner, but not till I made sure my mom got a reservation late. So it's not till like 8 PM. So I'll have the hour and hour and a half of our Patreon chat and um, I was like, yeah, cause I'm not, I'm not missing that. That's one of my favorite parts of the week. So, um, yeah, absolutely going to want to do that on my birthday. But yeah, I think what we were talking about before with just questioning people and like bringing them along, that's like, that's one of my favorite things to do. I love having conversations and seeing the people start to get uneasy, especially if it's in like a group where someone is just going off about either they're certain about something that's kind of absurd or they are uncertain and therefore, you know, everyone should be uncertain. And, you know, I, I accept everyone's belief systems and like, everything's okay. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that sounds great and all, but like, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's start asking some questions. Let's see, do you, do you actually stand by what you say? Because let's see if you agree with some of the things I'm about to say. And if you do, that directly invalidates the thing that you believe in or the idea that there is this 
you know, could be anything. I don't know, but it's like, all right, well, how many of those are based on illusions that we can recognize? And yeah, so that is, that straight up is like, I enjoy that more than I enjoy like going on vacation sometimes, just those sorts of situations where it's like an open discussion. People are open to, you know, talking about some religious related ideas or, you know, the afterlife even, which doesn't come up super often, but when it does, it's always a lot of fun. So yeah, it'll be cool over the years, just like having more conversations like that. And as this grows and as, you know, Ray and my accounts grow, like I, I would love to do some, like be able to get involved on some like bigger interviews or even like a Ted talk about identity or something being the root of suffering, because I think a lot of people will resonate with that a lot, but it also trigger a lot of people at the same time, which could be the perfect balance of just being able to, you know, explode through that. So, um, yeah, but I fucking love just the questioning and, and just the digging into those things that people are either certain about because of their upbringing or not certain about, and think that everyone should be super uncertain about everything also, because how could you possibly know what happens after death? And it's like, well, unless you recognize that you're not what you think you are, then maybe things get a little bit clearer. Somebody asked me that today, like, yeah, but you don't know, right? And, and, and my response was, when you see what's blinding us, it's actually really clear. Right? That's the point, is just recognizing what's blinding you. And then all of these questions about life and death and existence, they're really not complicated, right? But you'll think they are as long as you're caught up in the illusion that's blinding you. And it's because ego, the idea of defining ourselves and that being the truth, is the fog that has been plaguing us individually and collectively forever. And this conversation, which is basically just awareness and process, the act of critical thinking, is the light that burns that fog away, right? And that's all this is about, is being the light. Like Krishnamurti said, be a light unto yourself, right? And that's all you need to do. So on that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. We're going to say, Happy birthday to Andrew and celebrate his emergence into this reality because we're all very happy to have him here. I also find it really funny that you're turning the age that I was when I had my daughter. So that's an interesting um, thing for me because it really shows how far along the journey I've already went and you still have to go <laughs> to get to even where I am. I hope you maintain your hair, though this is much easier to take care of. I will say that. But um, all that aside, I just wanted to say thank you to our audience again for being here as we clear the fog, as we increase this conversation. We are going to continue doing more things. Tommy Chong was just the tip of the iceberg. The stickers, likewise. Billboards, they're going to be coming up at some point. Live events, music festival, possibly a retreat very soon. So these are all things that, that we have in the works. If you want to be involved with that, definitely join us on Patreon because that's ultimately where a lot of, of these ideas are going to go, where we're going to organize them initially before we release them to the public. So if you want to be part of that inner circle, join us on Patreon. If you'd like to be part of the slightly outer inner circle, join us on Discord because that's where we share everything as well. And on that note, I think we'll wrap up here. This was an excellent episode on suffering and the emergence of clarity. So I just wanted to say, Andrew, thank you for bringing this up. I know your recent videos have been really inspiring in terms of communicating with people and seeing what their responses are. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we do with the rest of season two. 
Absolutely. Likewise, if you want to chat with me on my birthday, sign up for Patreon. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone.